This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Loud and Local continues on The Rock with Kevin Deers, 99.9 KISW. It's Loud and Local here on The Rock uh, doing the podcast thing. Doing uh, It's called Loud and Local, the stay home sessions. Right now I'm talking with Michelle Pinnell from La Saboteur. Is that right? La Saboteur? Sure. You Let's... can pronounce it however you want to. How do you pronounce it? Lay <laughs> uh, Saboteur. Lay Saboteur. Okay, cool. But, you know, I just sound like a jabroni when I pronounce it. And then also in a band called Flaunt, uh, she is back here in the Northwest, had uh, had some time down in su- sunny Southern California. But uh, first off, I'm going to ask, um, how are you doing these days? Because it's pretty crazy. Uh, how are you doing? How are you staying sane? How are you staying safe? Uh, are, are you working? Are you, are you, you know, not working? What's going on? All right. So, um, short answer is I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I work at a reforestation company. Oh, wow. Um, okay. we reforest fire areas with drones. Oh, wow. Um, and it's pretty interesting and I like the job a lot, but, um, I would have been on tour right now. Oh um, yeah if not for uh, all this stuff. So, um, cause we, we released our record and we were supposed to do uh, a uh, support tour, um, but that all, that all got canceled. So I've continued to work um, throughout all of this um, because we're considered essential. Mm-hmm. Um, forestry is considered essential. So yeah, I don't know. I'm hanging in there. Um, it's hard, you know, to think about where we'd be each day. Yeah. Um, on tour and, you know, uh, um, there, it's kind of the ultimate FOMO <laughs> for sure. Well, where would you be right now? If, if, if you don't mind me asking, you know, what's hilarious is that, uh, our, our tour was going to start in San Diego Oh yeah. and end in San Diego because when I booked it, um, I knew that it was going to be, um, you know, we were going to be out for a month, but I didn't know I was moving to Seattle yet. Oh, okay. So tonight would have been mid-tour nice. uh, in Seattle. Oh, well, <laughs> it's like you're, so. you're, it was like it was meant to, no, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, I guess so. I, I don't know. Uh, was this with Le Saboteur or with Flaunt? Which tour would it be? It, Le Saboteur. So okay. it was our record release tour for Ditch. Awesome. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I... Awesome is like my, my go-to retort to that. And I guess it's not awesome. Awesome that you released that record. Uh, hell of a time to release an album though, right? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we considered maybe postponing it, but uh, all things were go with mm -hmm. um, the guy that helped us release it. So, um, so we were just like, well, let's do it, and we sold out in the first day. It was oh, limited awesome. run, uh, limited run, uh, lathe cuts, uh, high def lathe, lathe cuts, and we sold out in the first day. Congratulations, and and I mean, we're all. At home, I think we all have a lot of time to listen to some music. So at least, you know, it's good that you put that out. And, and, and you know, now we get these stimulus checks coming in. If we have the means, maybe we could purchase it. But you sold out of it, so maybe we can't purchase it. What's the label that put it out? Uh, it was sort of a collaboration. So it was us and, and Paper Street Cuts. Okay. So uh -huh. we split the cost. Uh, and Paper Street Cuts is run by Todd from a band called Square Crow. Okay. If you know who they are. I don't. Um, sounds like a yeah. cool name. Uh, I don't actually like their name. I like their band a lot, though. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a good band. Very 90s throwback, which happens to be a thing. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, we grew up in the 90s, so isn't it funny that everything's like throwback 90s? It's like, makes me feel old. I love it. <laughs> I, it was the best decade for music, and I'm happy to see it coming back around. Hell yeah. So uh, you, let's talk a little bit about, um, so you uh, just talked about how, you know, you, you had this tour that was starting in San Diego and coming back to San Diego and you didn't know you were moving to Seattle. Uh, you're from, you're from Seattle, right? Is that correct? Or the Seattle area? Um, I am originally from outside of Yosemite National Forest. Okay. And I moved to, um, I moved to Seattle when I was 18 because I loved hardcore and I loved grunge. Okay. Um, yeah. And there were both, uh, both things were happening up here. Um, so I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move to Seattle. I'm going to form a band and that's just going to be my life now. Uh, you know, as soon as I was able to be free. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, what happened was, uh, my mother had gotten sick and, uh, she had decided that because she lived in San Diego when she, uh, was kind of at the prime of her life in the seventies. Uh, she was going to go back, um, after she got sick and just kind of live it up in the, in the last days of her life. So hmm. I moved down there. Um, I formed a couple bands while I was there. Cause that's what I do to keep sane. Yeah. Um, and, uh, after she passed, I made the decision to come back. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, what, uh, what was the decision to come back to Seattle? What was it about Seattle that, that called you back? I mean, I spent a lot of time here um, just kind of, you know, either either making my reputation better or ruining it, <laughs> depending on who you ask. For sure. Um, but uh, I had a lot of fun, and I had a lot of close friends that saw me go through a lot. Yeah. Um, and I just decided that uh, probably being around those people was best for me at, at that point, at this point. Um, but now I can't see any of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. What, so what was the timeline? When did you officially move back to Seattle? Uh, gosh, uh, maybe four months ago. Um, yeah, soon, recently. And this, uh, and so Les Saboteur is now, is now a Seattle band. Is that a, is that a thing or is it like half and half? Uh, so it's, it couldn't be half and half because we're a three piece. Oh, there but, you go. Um, 
So two thirds of us are here. um, And our drummer is stuck in San Diego for the time being. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got some uh, commitments to his family, um, which are complicated, but I'm, I'm really happy that he's spending time with family as somebody who's lost both my parents. I totally understand um, that um, in in a very big way. So um, no better excuse in my opinion than family to, um, to postpone uh, the move, Mm -hmm. but he uh, is planning on coming up. I've got a room in this apartment that's ready to go for him. (laughs) So whenever he does move up, uh, got a drummer and a, Love him to death. Can't wait. Are you guys going to be busting out band practices in your apartment and pissing off your neighbors? No, we're actually <laughs> looking for a practice space, but um, things are things are strange right now yeah. with COVID. People don't know if they're keeping their spaces or not. Um, a lot of people aren't using their spaces, but they also don't want other people in them. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a weird world for people in bands right now, I feel like. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, necessity is breeding a lot of creativity in people, and I think that it's also make, causing a lot of people to become stir-crazy and stuff. Um, is there anything that you've been doing? Like, have you been, like, binging any TV shows or, like, listening to old albums or, like, uh, like organizing your house? Or, like, has there been anything, like, stir-crazy stuff that, that you found yourself doing that you didn't think you would maybe get into? You know, what's funny is I have been revisiting a lot of old records. um, And I think that it's because it's a sense of comfort to kind of return to those things that like you really connected with in maybe times where it was uncomfortable before. Um, And somebody recently tagged me in one of those, uh, those Facebook, like 10 album things, post your influential album type things. And so I've been thinking about it harder than, um, I would have otherwise. And, and it's been, it's been kind of a fun road and thinking about those albums that brought me to where I am, you know? Yeah. Well, let, let's, let's do this. This is a question I like to ask, but since, you know, I was going to, I was going to do it later, but you know, it kind of, we transitioned well into it. Uh, I do want to talk about obviously the album and, 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 uh, your bands, but let's, let's talk about that since you just brought it up. What are four albums, uh, that have been highly influential and positive for you uh, throughout your life? Yeah, so it's really hard to narrow it down. That's what I've realized this week. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's really, really hard. Um, it doesn't have to be, I, like, the definitive, just, like, four that you love. Yeah, I mean, um, gosh. Um, can I can I choose bands or just just albums? Sure, it has to be specific albums. Yeah, I'm not, this isn't a gotcha question. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, really, the the first like real uh, like heavy music that I got into mm-hmm. was uh, was hardcore. Yeah, um, and there was a band called Undying that I went and saw. They opened for Wells of Jericho, who I just kind of was like, oh, okay, this girl screams and i want to go see this band and i was 15 years old undying is sick um and uh well undying at the time had a male vocalist um this guy named timothy roy okay um and they were on tour like i said with with walls of jericho and they played at mikey hood's place you know hoods yeah yeah um sacto hoods uh 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, like outside of Yosemite, that was like one of the nearest places to see shows. Okay. Um, and so anyways, uh, I left that show and I, I bought uh, everything I could from Undying. Um, and that was really the band that was sort of bridged the gap between hardcore and metal for me. So nice. it, it was a, a place where I could actually find that connection and kind of move over, whereas I thought metal was kind of silly previously. Sure. So I'd say as far as musical taste goes, that was a, a one of those gateway bands that just really, really helped me out. And there, that band is also the reason I've uh, been vegan for 19 years. Awesome. So... Well, um, yeah, big, big deal for me. Um, so I'd say probably, um, whispered lies of angels undying. Wow. Um, I'd probably say uh, the wipers in general have been huge for me. Um, Sleater Kinney have been huge for me. Dig me out. Probably that record yeah. um, was, the, was an album that, that really, um, showed me that a girl band could be interesting and cool and have neat riffs and some energy behind them um and then later they were kind of my gateway into the go-go's as weird as that is oh, i love um, the go-go's yeah because i never gave the go-go's a chance but i remember one of them mentioned the go-go's in an interview and i was kind of like well i wonder what what this is about um so that that's kind of cool um and i don't know i like silly stuff uh i like they might be giants and i like yeah. mean uh <laughs> ah ween uh, okay okay yeah uh and the toadies the toadies are probably the toadies and the melvins are probably my top bands of all time just as far as like a span of the uh, a career yeah. goes you okay. know just like from the beginning to the end of the career those yeah. bands um every album they put out is fantastic to me so kind of all over the place honestly Right on. Well, uh, I, I dig that. So, so from some like vegan '90s vegan metalcore to like they might be giants. You mix those, yeah. mix those together, and you get Les Saboteurs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I mean Les Saboteurs was pretty well intentioned. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it kind of wanted to be. You know, whereas my older bands, we didn't necessarily have an aim. Like we mm -hmm. just kind of did it. Yeah. Um, but Les Saboteur, you know, we were going for like a very 90s throwback, post-punk mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. And there were select, you know, our drummer really wanted to bring a lot of Joy Division into it. Nice. I really wanted to bring some, a little bit of Riot Girl, some Baruch Assault, like that kind of stuff as well. Um, even though most people wouldn't consider Baruch Assault, I'm saying Baruch Assault and Riot Girl. <laughs> I like so both. to be clear. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it really, it was just about... Um, you know, bringing this kind of emotive vibe that people could kind of pop around to. And yeah, that's, oh. that's where we were going with that. And what about flaunt? Uh, what's, uh, so what's going on with flaunt? So the, that band is, uh, you still going on, you're still a thing. Yeah. And, still and, a band. and, uh, what, uh, what's the news with flaunt? Anything? Um, well, uh, why don't we play a flaunt song uh, real quick and then we'll come back with uh, some more stuff about Les Saboteurs. Is that cool? Sure. So what, uh, well, how about you pick a song from flaunt real quick and then, uh, we'll check that out and we'll come back with, uh, some talk about Les Saboteur and, uh, and one of your new songs. What do you want to hear from okay. flaunt? Uh, let's listen to Impotence, Hatred, and You. Oh, my God. All right, I like it. All right, here's Flaunt. We're talking with Michelle Pinnell from Le Saboteur and Flaunt. Be right back. We'll 
Hatred, impotence, and you? Was that right? Impotence, hatred, and you. But the, the order doesn't matter. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so, yeah. Um, did, when you were down in San Diego, uh, you were involved in, in both bands uh, concurrently? or? Um, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. What, uh, give me the, uh, if you could, and, and I'm not trying to like, you know, pit one against each other as far as scenes go. What are the, uh, similarities and differences between the San Diego DIY scene and, and the Seattle DIY scene? You know, um, they both have kind of a hub. Uh, so I would say in Seattle, I would say, uh, the hub, in my opinion, would be the Kraken Bar. Oh, yeah. In Seattle. And then in San Diego, I would say uh, the Tower Bar would be that place. And the reason why I say that is because it's a place that people go. The shows are always cheap. There's always a lot of camaraderie. There's always a lot of hugging. People are very supportive of each other. And people go to shows just regardless of what's happening, right? So um, you get get all the locals, and then you get random people uh, that come in. So those two things kind of are the saving grace of each scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that uh, Seattle has a lot more going on in, in terms of diversity, in terms of creativity. Um, there are more genres uh, spread across more venues in Seattle. Okay. Um, San Diego is uh, San Diego is a small scene. It's a big city, but it's a small scene, and it's a, a conservative town. It's a Navy town. Sure. Um, and so the people that are into extreme music or even just, um, music that you would consider underground are kind of few and far between. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a little clickier. Um, it's a little more, um, on edge and defensive, I would say. Um, and Seattle, it's just, it's too big to be that way. Um, if you, if you make an enemy in the scene, chances are you won't see him again for a pretty long time. (laughs) <laughs> so uh i i think seattle's uh just honestly more more of a mecca 
Nice. All right on. Well, I, I've only gone to San Diego for a vacation, and, and, and it was a nice, relaxing time. I didn't spend any time at the shows, but uh, it's it's cool to, that you have that um, perspective, and, and, and now you're coming back to the Northwest with – I mean, and, and you book shows down there too, right? Like you uh, you, you were booking a lot of bands, and uh, how, how did you get involved with uh, not just playing shows but booking shows? Uh, so I started booking shows in Seattle um, – and I did it because I would go out and I'd see bands that I really liked and I wanted to play with them. Um, so my old band, Ubik, I just used to just book all the bands I liked with yeah. Ubik because it, it's a party to me. Um, and so I started putting shows together and I started uh, um, a promotion company called Rad Goat. And I would uh, have great pretty name. crazy stuff at the, at the shows. So I'd, you know, have, have somebody bring a, a trampoline or, or oh a skate ramp built in front of the stage or a ball pit in front of the stage. And um, I would uh, just try to make sure that everybody had the most uh, fun as possible. And there were a lot of venues that uh, somehow let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had a lot of fun and I kind of gained a reputation here of just having like fun shows with diverse lineups. And, wow. Um when I moved down to San Diego, I mean, like I said, I was just kind of, I was there um, because it was a weird circumstance, but the comfort that I felt in just doing the things that I knew how to do yeah. is what kept me going. So, um, uh, so, and I was also a karaoke host in Seattle. So when I moved down there, I got a karaoke gig. Um, so I became a karaoke gig uh, person and I became a, a, you know, I started a couple bands and I, um, I started booking shows just because that's, that's what I knew. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not worth a whole lot in a whole lot of places in society, but those are things I can do. Wow. So that, that's a question that I actually do like to ask people. And because you're so, uh, I guess, uh, experienced in the world of karaoke, I have to ask you what's your go-to. Oh, I have so many go-tos. As a host, you you sing everything um, because people come up to you and they'll hand you a slip of paper with your name on it. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so you sing whatever people want you to sing. You know you want you want tips. Uh, um, but I, gosh, I don't know. I I really like uh, I like Cold Hearted Snake by Paula Abdul. Okay. Um, I like anything by Styx. Um, I like singing. Uh, uh, the Price by Twisted Sister is probably my favorite um, power ballad to sing. Uh, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of favorites. It depends on the mood. If if a karaoke book has "Piss Up a Rope" by Ween, you better believe I'm doing it. <laughs> how do you become? How do you? That's insane. That I can't imagine uh, too many of them do. But but have you ever seen uh, uh, an actual karaoke book that has a Ween song "Piss Up a Rope"? Absolutely. Oh yeah. my God. That... I have a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> How do you become a karaoke host? You know, I think, uh, when I started, it was, uh, it was a Chinese bar, um, that had karaoke seven nights a week and I, it was a Craigslist ad. Amazing. And, <laughs> and that's in San Diego I, or in Seattle? It was in Seattle. It was the Mandarin gate on 105th and Aurora. Okay. Uh, and, uh, 
I started hosting there um, and the, I remember the owner was really sketched out by me. He didn't know what to do with me, but I would always bring punks in and uh, they never caused any problems and they paid for beers. And so he just kind of put up with it. Um, but he was constantly telling me to turn it down because one of my, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of my, my styles as a karaoke host is to make it show volume. Um, yeah, because people feel like real rock stars in that uh, context. So damn, <laughs> we had some issues because there was a there was a Chinese restaurant on the other side of the wall. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so people up until I think about 10 p.m. people could hear us screaming, um, you know, Pantera songs and stuff. Oh my god, that's amazing! Uh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, that I mean, you you blew the top off of that question because I typically ask people like what you know your your karaoke song and, and they're usually shy about it. But it doesn't sound like you're shy at all about that realm of things. Like that's badass. Um, oh no, you can't be shy about karaoke. Oh my god, you just can't. If you were a UFC or WWE fighter and you uh, were you know making your way to the ring and you had to choose a theme song, what would your theme song be? Oh, I love this. Um, well, it depends on the, the character that I was portraying. Like, I, I had thought <laughs> of a... Um, I had thought, I have previously thought of a, of a wrestling character that I was I would be because I was actually training to wrestle for a bit of time. Oh, my God. Um, Look at you. Yeah. Karaoke wrestler. Yeah. I mean... That could have been my my shtick, I suppose. <laughs> the karaoke queen. That could have been your gimmick. <laughs> um, but but my my character that I came up with was going to be. I wanted to be a heel, so I wanted to to be something that uh, you, know, you know wrestling guys guys that go see independent wrestling would hate. Yeah. Uh, so I decided that I was going to be a, a raver, like nice a candy raver, like come out once once with like those little furry hat like animal hats mm -hmm. and like candy bracelets and stuff so if i did that i would probably i don't know what i would choose sandstorm you know that one darude sandstorm i don't know uh maybe a bass nectar song or something um but i don't know if it was just me as a as a person yeah you you i don't know I know that um, I know Jamie Josta has been really pushing to get uh, somebody to use Hatebreed as an intro. So yeah. maybe I'd do like I Will Be Heard or something like there that. There you go. And just be a wrestler that yells at everyone all the time. I did backyard wrestling in Kent, uh, as you can imagine, kids in Kent do a lot. And uh, I came out to Hatebreed uh, from. Oh, you did? Yeah, I came out to an a song from Satisfaction. I came out to Last Breath. And I had a uh, Jinko. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I had Jinko jean shorts and pink Liberty spikes, and uh, my name was Kevin Corner. Man, I love it. Pretty cool, huh? No, uh, <laughs> I do actually. I do actually think that's cool, but I'm I'm a weirdo. So, well, I mean, you are the karaoke, punk rock, uh, wrestling loving, uh, vegan, animal saving, firefighting. Uh, badass of Seattle from San, uh, from the San Diego coming up to Seattle. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to put you in a box, but that's a, that's a lot of cool titles, um, to own. I got to ask you though, if you could pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it, Michelle, a scar on my body. Yeah. 
Tell us the story of a um, scar. Gosh. Um, so I have a, I have like a big line in the middle of my forehead. Okay. Um, that's probably hard to see via zoom. Uh, but, uh, it was from a negative hole show. It was, uh, it was actually the show that I convinced people to bring mini trampolines to. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it was at the Josephine, uh, and, uh, People were hopping around and being really crazy because the mini trampoline was the center of the mosh pit. Um, and I sort of like was crouching down and screaming and I popped my head back up and just in time, Elvis, you know, Elvis, right? Um, from Swamp Heavy. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was the guitarist of Negative Hole. Okay. So he takes his... Um, gosh, Les Paul, and just smashes his uh, headstock into my forehead. And oh. I immediately, immediately uh, start pouring blood all over everything. Jesus. Uh, finish the next song. Uh, we were two songs to the end. Finish the next song and kind of uh, <laughs> ended the set. But then uh, it was actually kind of a really good night because um, everybody was like, well, you know, do you need, like, a shot? Do you need some weed? Like, what do you need? Yeah. I'll give you anything. And I was like, hey, this isn't so bad. Because as you know, as somebody who is, has pursued wrestling, you ble- bleed a lot from the forehead. Yeah. You, it doesn't actually hurt that bad um, because there aren't really enough muscles there to really be affected in that way. Sure. So it just bleeds more than it hurts. So. It was a pretty brutal night, uh, according to everybody else. But for me, I, I was just having a great time. Did you get any pictures? Uh, yeah, actually, um, nice. Pam from Post Boredom yeah. took a, a pretty great picture of me that night where I'm just smiling uh, and bleeding out of my pulsating uh, forehead. <laughs> bleeding from your negative hole in your head. Yeah, my yeah. I didn't, nobody's ever said that, but uh, that's appropriate. So let's go down the gamut of how many bands you've been in, then, because the first band I saw was Ubic. Uh, had you been in bands before that? I well, sort of. I mean, I had been in. Um, I had been in my high school band before that. So okay, I don't know how much that counts for anything. We never released anything. You talking about like uh, your sort of. An actual band? Are you talking about like like a band and orchestra kind of thing, or like an actual like band? Oh no, I mean I did that stuff too. Okay. So I, so I was in a vocal jazz ensemble that went and uh, played at Carnegie Hall. You know, we were Jesus. pretty, uh, pretty. You know, we we did a bunch of competitions and won a bunch of competitions and yeah. ended up doing these cool things. Um, but then on the side, I had my band called Travesty. Nice. Um, that was like I remember we had a we had a stand up bass player who was really into Rancid. Okay. And we had a guitarist who was super into Metallica and Megadeth, and then we had a drummer that we just like kind of knew, and like he was into like Counting Crows and stuff like that. <laughs> and then there was me trying to figure out whether I should sing or scream, um, being just like a young person. And I remember we, uh, I think we covered like a local H song. Whoa. That's it was, yeah. A bound to the floor. That song. That's a good song. We covered that. That's classic. Yeah, I, I think it's a great song, but it was just weird. It was such a weird mix of people. 
when I was in Hello. high school, when I was in high school, I played, uh, I did vocals for this thing, and I wanted it to be like hardcore, you know, punk. Like I liked a lot of early AFI, so I wanted it to be like AFI. Yeah. And uh, the bassist wanted it to be like Tool, and the guitarist wanted it to be like uh, like Randy Rhodes, Ozzy Osbourne. The drummer wanted it to be like uh, pop punk, and then the other guitarist wanted it to be like Murder City Devils. And it, uh, wow. it did not turn out well. It's yeah, another thing it's, from Kent. It's kind of, it's if you're in a small town and you're trying to put a band together, just take what you can get and yeah. just learn from it and then find the people that you resonate with when you move to a, but also like, I don't know, when I moved to Seattle, I, I joined Ubik and Ubik was a weird band with a whole bunch of different influences too. So, Yeah. So we got Ubik, and then from there, was it Negative Hole, or were there bands in between? Yeah, so Ubik, I lived in Seattle for 11 years, and yeah. Ubik was a band for 11 years. Yeah. Um, and then Negative Hole was, I think, five or six of, of that 11 years. Nice. And then you go down to San Diego and start Flaunt and La Saboteur, or was there bands in between that, too? There were bands in between. Oh, what'd you yeah. got? Um, so I had moved down there and I had started a band with some guys from LA and I was driving up, um, to rehearse with them. Um, and they were kind of along the lines of, uh, you know, who rival schools are. Oh yeah. Great band. Uh, like, yeah, kind of Walter Schreifel's type stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was really excited about, about it. It was really emotive and I could sing over it, but there were a lot of, there was a lot of infighting that didn't involve me in that sure, band and sure. they ended up kind of just, uh, fizzling out. Um, and after that I formed a band called Goldilocks and the bears. That's um, it was kind of a L seven worship band that I played guitar in. Okay. Um, and then, uh, that band fizzled out and then I was in a band called burning hammer. That was a D beat band. Um, and that ended just in, the worst <laughs> way. And then, uh, after that, that's when I, um, that's when I, uh, I focused on flaunt and forming lace avatar. That's awesome. Well, so. damn, it sounds like you have quite the experience with like underground punk and, and all kinds of different sounds. And, uh, wow. Uh, what, uh, have you always had like a ton of confidence to just put yourself out there like that? Like growing up, like, was there, was it, what was like the first inspiration to just like do it? You know, I'm not totally sure. I know that when I'm afraid of something, I tend to move towards it because the idea of being afraid of something really scares me more than the fear itself. Um, hmm. And so I remember like in uh, middle school, like being told to like present things in front of the class. And I think yeah. it was like seventh grade or something. And I had to like, um, I had to like present a collage that represented things that I liked. And it, it was like a lot of, um, Bush stuff, the band Bush. Yeah. Gavin Rossdale. Like Gavin Rossdale yeah. and what like a, a picture of his dog from, I don't know if it was like 16 stone or he had like a dog named Winston that was like, and I remember I had made this collage and I couldn't stand there and hold the collage in front of people because I was shaking so bad that the collage was making a ton of paper sound um, because I was shaking so bad that it was just like, it was 
just making this sound. And I just kind of like threw it down on the ground and walked out the door. Um, and I remember Sounds just intense. being so devastated that I was so nervous in front of people. Yeah. Um, and thinking about my aspirations as like, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be in bands and mm -hmm. I wanted to, to be this person, um, that was confident. And so I just kind of, I started moving towards that. Nice. Um, and I, uh, I actually got my start singing in front of people through a youth group band. Okay. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously that turned out to not be a thing <laughs> for me. I actually recently found out that the the youth leaders um, at that particular church that I that I quit because they told me not to listen to punk rock. It, when I discovered punk rock, they were like, "Don't listen to punk rock. This is, you know, this is garbage. This is the devil's work. We want you to burn all your records. This and that." And I was like, "Well, I don't think that's the god for me then," and I left. Uh, they could have at least given you like an MXPX CD or something. I mean, there's plenty of bands like they could have just given you something, you know. I did hear MXPX very early on. Yeah, I I think maybe that was one of the uh, the move to Bremerton. Yep. Maybe that maybe that stuck uh, like subconsciously a little bit because I ended up moving to Seattle. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Right on. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the record. Let's get into it. Uh, so um, I'm going to let's go into the couple songs here. We uh, Le Sabateur is the name of the group, a Seattle-ish band now. We'll soon be three-thirds all Seattle, but two-thirds Seattle, a North, a West Coast band, let's say, a West Coast band. Um, yes, definitely West Coast. Is it available on streaming platforms, or how can people purchase it? Because you just said that uh, the pre-order was sold out. How do people uh, check out uh, the Le Sabateur record? So we're on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so you can you can find our music there, and uh, we are going to be doing a regular run of records. We just did a limited edition um, lathe cut, ten inch. It's beautiful. Um, nice. Those, those are no longer available. So uh, we're going to just release um, the album uh, in a regular format uh, pretty soon. So that'll be available. I would say within the next month or two. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to shut my yapper, and because I know that you are not shy, I'm going to have you play the role of cheesy radio DJ. So I want you to be as cheesy as possible, and I want you to intro two songs of your choice by Elisabetur from your album Ditch. Okay? So I'm going to turn my. Well, I'm not going to turn it off, but you know, I'm going to shut up, and you can you can intro these songs in the cheesiest way possible, Michelle. Hi, you're listening to Les Saboteur. First up, you're going to hear a song called Smiling Politely. Then we're going to hear Tightrope. Thanks so much for listening. It's loud and local. Michelle, thanks a lot. You're welcome.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.